Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Y'all been asking me, begging me, pressing me. And here I am with the major announcement. Yes, Small Doses, Potent Truths for Everyday Use. My book will be available on Audible. On February 4th, you will be able to get my book written by me and now spoken by me on Audible. So for everybody out there who was like, I don't read books, I just listen to books. I hope that you got the actual book because the visual experience of the book is its own thing. In addition to now getting the audio experience, which will also be its own thing. So make sure to get your download of Small Doses Potent Truths for Everyday Use at Audible on February 4th. And New York City, remember, I will be headlining at Caroline's Comedy Club January 30th, 31st, and February 1st. So make sure you get your tickets at smartfunnyandblack.com because I'm going to be bringing the funny to the East Coast and warming y'all up. It's so funky. <laughs> well, well, well. Oh, yeah. What time is it? What time is it? Showtime. Showtime. What time is it? What time is it? Showtime. Showtime. That's right, y'all. It is, drumroll, our 100th episode! Those are laser guns, because we're on another planet with this. A hundred freaking episodes of me sitting here just a-talking. Just a-talking. Now, we've done all kinds of side effects, but in honor of our 100th episode... I felt it would be best if we opened the floor for y'all and covered the side effects of everything. Everything? Everything! And just let, let the mind go. Let the mind flow. So, I posed the question to my DMs and y'all came back with the tea. So, we're going to do this. I'm going to be as honest and real as I always am. Uh, Sometimes it may cause for me to not say names, but I have committed to giving you all the most thorough answers possible. As we commence into the great hundred yonder. First question. Well, actually, let me just say this before we do that. 100 episodes feels really like a big feat considering that, I mean, for so long, I just like had no idea what to do for a podcast. And I would have these like various ideas that just kind of seemed like, yeah, that could be fun or that could be cool. So it really is actually exciting to know that this premise, Small Doses, has been so uh, 
abundant that we've been able to get 100 episodes out of it and still we've only scratched the surface. So I really thank you all for your dedication and your commitment to pushing us because without you listening, we may have just given up. So let's dive into your questions. Side effects of everything. Everything? Everything. First question, what products do you use for your hair? I wash my hair with uh, either Living Proof, which randomly is Jennifer Aniston's shampoo and conditioner. I try not to use the shampoo because it has lather. And anytime you see lather, that means there's like alcohol in there and it can strip your hair. And like my hair uh, needs to hold moisture. So I try to just use the conditioner and I'll wash it with like a Shea Moisture co-wash. I know you're like, well, if you're using a co-wash, why do you need to wash it with a conditioner? Because it just does better with my hair, doing both. So um, especially like when I, so when I do the reel though, because every night I have to wash like all the hairspray and the products out of my hair, I'll just use a co-wash for that. And then like on Thursday, I'll do like a real wash, which will be with a sh- with hair rules um, cleansing and then hair rules conditioner. Um, hair rules is a brand started by Anthony Dickey, who has a salon called Hair Rules, that specializes in natural hair in New York. And then it, it's it's expanded beyond just natural hair, but he really is like a natural hair guru. I'll actually be uh, moderating a talkback that he's doing in LA because he's starting a shop out here as well. But they have a line that is really just great for my hair and. Um, it holds just the right amount of moisture. Like I love when I get out of the shower after washing my hair with this product because it feels like I washed my hair and it has been conditioned. In order to get the curl, I use Moroccan oil, um, their mask for the front of my hair because it's a different texture than the back of my hair. And so it's more expensive, but it's actually more potent. So it really like attacks the frizziness in like a much more like gangsta fashion. And then I use Alafia, which is a... um like a natural hair product line from Togo and I use a Lafia leave-in conditioner and I comb it through. And I started also adding just like a little bit of like um, foam setting that I feel like has really also helped to just give the curl like a little bit more structure and less frizz. So that was a very thorough dissertation answer for you, but that's what it's going to be today. Oh, let me just also say I do not towel dry my hair. So I literally just wring it out and then add product. It's very important for at least my hair to be as wet as possible when I add the product because if I let it dry and then add the product, the frizz is already commandeered the the hair. It's over. I might as well just start over. As someone who grew up not trusting men, a survival mechanism from trauma in my younger years, what are some ways you enable yourself to be vulnerable and trusting in a healthy relationship? I'm probably too vulnerable and too trusting. So I don't even know if I'm the best person to give advice on this. Um, But I think in general, I just try to like assert the reality that I will make sure that I like keep my eyes open and pay attention and 
and have resolve of like how to make the best decisions for myself. Um, and it's like just kind of like trusting yourself and trusting that you're not going to let yourself go too far down a dark road. And I think for some of us, we like don't trust ourselves. So if we don't trust ourselves, how can we trust someone else? Um, and that's really what it boils down to. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't know what other people are going to do. All you can know about is what you're going to do and what you're going to do when you learn how they behave. So, like, I know for me, like, I have a hard time of, like, letting go of people that I feel, like, a strong connection to, even if they're, like, shitty and trash-ass people. So I try to, like, just be as mindful as possible um, about trying to not get a connection to like a too much with people who are shitty trash ass people. And then sometimes that just happens. And then you end up in like a year long struggle. <laughs> Nonetheless, you persevere. And I really try to just make sure that I keep people around me who, even when I am not as clear, they're as clear. And who aren't judgmental, but they're honest. Next question. What was the toughest part of creating your major in mapping out your future after SUNY purchase, etc.? How close and far apart is the destination you've arrived to today from the vision you originally had for yourself in life, relationship, and career? Well, I mean, when I left Purchase Conservatory after my freshman year, it was a summer and then a semester before I figured out, like, what I was doing. And it took another professor. It took a professor to, like, let me know, like, you can create your own major. And once she informed me of that, that's when I started to figure out, okay, I always knew that I was going to be in the arts. But I had never really, like, delved into the world of African American studies because they don't teach us about that shit in school. So until I got to college and was actually, like shown a wealth of courses that were relative to my culture and my ethnicity and my interests, I didn't know that I could like just yeah, study that. that. So once I had the opportunity to like create my own major, I just, honestly, it wasn't that hard for me to like point out very clearly, like I like this and I like this. I like the arts and I like black. So how do we do like black arts? And so my major was African-American studies with the concentration in the visual and performing arts. And then when I went to Columbia, they also had an African-American studies uh, master's. So when I went there, I was still able to like fuse things by making my concentration hip hop. Um, in terms of how far am I from where I envision myself to where I did when I was like 21. So I've read my actual essay that I wrote to get into Columbia. I've read it here on the show before. And in that essay, I legit say, like, I want to get my master's because I want to speak for and about, like, my people and for the purpose of uplifting my community and, and encouraging them and all of the above. And, um, I mean, shit, that's what I'm doing now. So I think that that's really where... I was supposed to go and that's where I'm going. So, and that's where I'm at, especially now being on the real every day. Uh, I think a lot of people have really shown me their excitement about me being in that chair specifically because they know how rooted I am in speaking 
you know, directly to black issues and black concerns and black history. So I think I'm I'm on track. Considering how many damn coincidences I've been seeing and having, the universe agrees too. All right. This is a long one. Good day, Amanda. We have been able to enjoy and benefit your exemplary model of being a truth seeker, critical thinker, and unapologetic commitment to uplifting the black community. Oh, what did I just say? And essentially the human race. But this has always been a one-woman show. Your discussion platform is now a shared space. What do you think is the most challenging adjustment because of this? And how do you deal with the fear of your notorious and loved by many passion while speaking being misconstrued by now a larger public? Um, I don't have a fear of that as much as I have. Well, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know if fear is the right word. I just have like a hyper awareness of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make me want to shut up as much as it makes me just very conscious of like, make sure that whatever you say is what you meant to say. Cause really what fucks with me is when I didn't really fully think out my thought and then I just threw it out there and I gave folks the bullets to shoot me with. That's, ooh, man, that's when I really am mad. That's when it gets my goatfish. But I think it's really just about managing, like, my self-awareness and my thoughtfulness. And that's why, like, when you see me on the show, like I said in the last episode, like, I am trying to be very clear about my words not just for the purpose of making sure that, you know, my audience gets the best out of me, but also so that I can make sure that I'm saying something I stand on. You know, I want to be able to stand on what I'm saying and not just be willy nilly with it. And I'm not going to nail that every time, but that is my intention. And I think that's what really quells any anxieties I have about continuously being misunderstood. Cause the fact of the matter is, Oh, I'm going to continue to be misunderstood and, you know, my passion as far as like being on that panel, like everybody gets live on that panel. So, you know, it's really like if I've seen already people be like, oh, Amanda talks over people. No, I don't. Not no more than anybody else. You know, Amanda's too forceful. No, I'm not. Not more than anybody else. It's five women with thoughts and jokes. And we, we want to get, get it in. in. And sometimes it's really just like we all think like at the same time, we like have a thought. And we'll all think it, you know, at the same time to say it. And you just end up having to be like, oh, okay, let me like, you know, pass the ball. And the real, the real thing about being misunderstood is, is less about people, you know, misunderstanding me and firing back at this point, but more so like misunderstanding like and losing the gem because then it's a loss for all of us. Next question. Have you gotten anyone that you've talked about, such as exes and ex-friends, hit you up because they thought you were talking about them and how did you handle it? <laughs> um, have you slept with a dude that people on set didn't know y'all was sleeping together? So the answer to the first question is no. The answer to the second question is yes. Next question. What advice would you give an independent media talent on getting to the next step in their career? Um, I think that it depends on where you live. You know, it really depends on where you live and what your goals are. We live in such a different time now where, you know, there's a lot more paths to getting to different spaces than there ever were. But 
you know, if you're an independent media talent, it's like, are you trying to be on camera or are you just trying to be a voice? Um, what type of things are you trying to talk about? Like all of those things matter. I think for some people, the route is like trying to get on radio, right? Because radio is every day. It gives you a voice, gives you an opportunity to um, speak to the masses. For some people, it's just, it's, it's, it's not even radio, it's a podcast. You know, creating somewhere that people can check for you and your thoughts on a regular basis and building that up. How do you build up a podcast? By getting on other people's podcasts. That's how you build up a podcast. How do you get on other people's podcasts? Well, you get on other people's podcasts by looking at who is even in proximity to you. So other people that in your area that have podcasts, like, you know, sometimes it's like bartering. So, like, it's the same thing for stand-up. Like, if you're trying to start as a stand-up, one of the best ways is get your own stage. Like, get your own show. When I moved to L.A., my homegirl, Sam J linked me up with Jamie Flam at the Improv, and I was able to get a monthly show. And because I had that monthly show, I now have something to barter with to get spots on other people's shows. Because everybody's just trying to get time. So, in the, in, the, in the host and media space, everybody's just trying to get ears. So, if you have a place that has ears that they don't have... You get another way of like getting to their ears. Um, I think there's also just, again, expanding. So if you're like very present on, you know, Instagram, it's like, okay, expanding to YouTube or expanding to Facebook and really making the social media triad work for you. But then if you're really trying to like level up, then it means like moving to a place that has an abundance of industry. So that's either Atlanta, um, L.A., or New York, and really figuring out how to get on camera in unique ways with those spaces. So, you know, you have, like, a lot of different places that have, like, digital mediums now, whether it's Pop Sugar or, you know, uh, Refinery29 or Essence or, you know, like, there's all these different media places that need voices um, and that want content because they're not just doing print or, or like, digital print. They also want video because people love clips and things like this. So it's trying to like get in there as well and getting the value that they have attached to their brand attached to you. When you start doing this, really the conversation, if you haven't noticed, is about figuring out how to expand your voice into spaces where you can link up with other people who are also expanding their voices who are, or who have already expanded their voices. I have created my own following. It's, it's great that I've done that and I've done it from the ground up, but it is a very seminal and fortuitous moment to be attaching what I've already created to something like The Real because they have a bigger platform. So by nature, it elevates the value and merit of my voice. Um, and sometimes in an effort to do that, we actually move backwards, right? Cause sometimes we're just thinking like, oh, that's a platform. But like, if it's the wrong platform, it's no good. Once upon a time, they wanted me to host the basketball wives. Um, no, the love and hip hop reunion shows. And I turned it down because even though that was a platform that may have, you know, given me visibility and it may have given me more opportunities within the VH1 system, it wasn't right for me. And I knew that if I associated myself with that then, then I'd have to answer for it later. So I was broke as shit and I still had to say no. But it wasn't the right by association. It wasn't the right um, proximity. So you got to be conscious of that. But the real bottom line is 
continuing to find ways to refine your voice. And sometimes that might mean doing something that a lot of people aren't listening to yet. Next question. I feel like you're a very aware person when it comes to cats. Is there anything specific you look for when you purchase items for your cats? Would you accept a custom cat tree? I don't see one in your videos. I'm like, hmm, is this person trying to offer me a custom cat tree? I definitely feel like I need to get a cat tree and a custom cat tree at that. My, so Lando is all about a cardboard, like all about it, all about cardboard. So scratchy, 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 anything scratchy, anything scratchy. Um, but Huri is all about heights. She loves tall, like she loves running up things and climbing up things. And so I really feel like I need to get another cat tree for her that one that she can like shimmy up like and run up um and one that has like some a low a lowland a lowland portion for Lando because he really um at this point doesn't really go up but he loves to lounge and i want him to be able to lounge so i have like a like a regular ass cat tree that ever so often he comes and hangs out on and then um, Huri has made the drapes in my living room her customized cat tree. So I look for, I, I just started like considering a cat tree for Huri. So I'm looking for height. And like, she likes to bat things. She, Huri is a quintessential cat. Lando, not so much. Lando likes the cat, but he's not like full cat. Huri is like, I'm about this cat life, baby. Look at this toy. I'm batting this toy. Huri's batting everything. She's batting a thousand. What musical would you love to be in on Broadway? You have a great voice and dance very well. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Hmm. I guess. I would love to be in a revival of Company where I'm playing Bobby. Which I believe they actually are reviving Company with a woman as Bobby. So I had that thought before I knew that for the record. But like that is one. I would love to do that. I would love... Um, I would love to be in Into the Woods... I would love to be the witch, but I don't have the vocal range to be the witch in Into the Woods. But um, I just love the musical Into the Woods. So, like, literally any part, I'll take it. Except, except for the, the stepsisters. And I would say Once on This Island, reprising my high school role of Agwe, God of Water. Next question. Why is your father trash? All right. Now we're getting somewhere. My father is trash because my father is a genius and had resources at hand, but still chose to not be um, present and supportive and available to me. 
So even though I had to visit him and even though I know him, he never presented himself as a resource for me emotionally and mentally or or financially. So like there was a time sophomore year of college where my mother had made a mistake and did not send in her check early enough for me to um for me to matriculate. And so literally like I had to pay I found out on a Thursday that I had 24 hours to pay $3,000 or else I could not um register for classes and at that time I was trying to like I had started talking to my father again and trying to get rekindle our relationship now that I had got now that I was going to school in New York and he was living in Jersey so we had a proximity and when I told him the dilemma his response was so what are you gonna do not like let me call your mother and see what we can figure out no so what are you gonna do and my father has his undergrad from UPenn He has a PhD from Harvard. He has an MBA from Tufts. And he has a MD. That's That's right. right. A medical degree from Harvard University. However, he did not feel compelled at any point in my life to contribute financially to the advancement of my education. That to me is trash alone. But then the nigga decided to come to both my graduations, high school and college. I did not allow him or invite him to my Columbia graduation because no, no sir. Um, but I just feel like, you know, outside, you know, and, and it wasn't that he wasn't financially able, but it was like he wasn't even financially interested. You know, like even if you're not financially able, at least be like interested in like, let me see what we can figure out. No, my mother ended up having to like take out a loan in 24 hours so that I could go to school. So to me, that's um, an example of trash. On top of that, my father used to just like argue gratuitously with my mother, trash. On top of that, my father has like no concept of his own accountability, like in his role of like creating shitty situations, trash. Um, And my father just for what it's worth, like, has never made it his business to learn me or understand me or be involved in like my growth as a person. It's always been about like literally just him. And when I was a sophomore in college and I actually asked him like, why haven't you like apologized for like how things were growing up? He said, well, Well, why why haven't you? And I said, I'm sorry, what? He asked me why I did not apologize for not calling him on a regular basis as a child. And, you know, it's those type of moments where you look at somebody and you're just like, oh, so you're like basura, basura. Because you're not just being funny style with me as a young adult. You're being funny style with me as a kid, like as a full child. And anybody who does that, is trash. He also tried to keep me from building a relationship with my brothers and sisters, which is like ultimate Susio. Next question. Talk about the closing of your Instagram, making it private and then reopening it. So I really love like being able to share things on Instagram and you know, the, the catch 22 of that is that then people can respond, right? The Which, that's, that's actually, actually not the catch 22. The catch 22 is that, like, shitty people can respond. So, I, I, like, if I'm doing stand-up and someone doesn't like my jokes, 
they're in the audience. I maybe can see their face or maybe see that they're not laughing, but they don't have the floor to say like, I didn't like that joke. It wasn't funny. Instagram is that. Anybody and anybody being able to give their opinion on what you're doing, but like giving it to you. So it's not even like a different site posts it and there's a forum. No, they're on your page shitting on you. So I thought the best way that I could probably like, you know, make make more of a controlled environment for, and not just for me, but like for the people who actually aren't even about that would be to go private at a million. So I went private for like, I think like five days at a million. The reason I went on private is because I realized that it didn't matter because the people who were already in were also trolls. Some of the people were also trolls. So I posted a picture of me in a bikini and people made hella comments about my feet and saying that I had like funny looking feet, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just like, who does this? Like, Honestly, as adults, like, let's just, like, honestly, who does that? And I couldn't, for the life of me, like, wrap my head around it. And it just made me finally decide, like, you know what? I just want to keep this space for me and for the people who like it. And I know people may feel like, damn, I wish I could comment. But in order for me to preserve this space as a space for me to continue to create in, I have to limit the comments substantially so I changed it to where you can only comment on my page if I follow you and no I'm not going to just start following random people either that's That's not how this is going to work either I follow the people I know people whose content I'm interested and people I like and my Instagram is more like a TV station now where you can't go under the, the show on Hulu and be like I hated this shit you might go in a forum somewhere else but if you want to watch my Instagram at this point like You're watching it. If you want to read the comments, the comments are going to come from people that I know who at the end of the day, even if they do disagree with me, know how to do that in a respectful fashion. And unfortunately, that is not something that is taught on enough of a general basis for me to keep my general comments open. Next question. Who are you dating? Nobody today. Next question. Super random question. Is there any special significance to always having your white mani-pedi? Yes. So basically, when I started playing Tiffany on Insecure, I just felt like her character would always have a white mani and pedi. It just seemed very, like, clean. And and she, like, just it just seemed very clean. And she just is, like, a very, she's, like, chic. Um, So Melina and I had discussed that. Melina was like, you know, I agree. So I started getting my manicures for Insecure and they would always be a white mani and a white petty. And I just got used to it and I was like, this matches everything. And I also like that I don't have to like go in the shop and like figure out a color. It just like sometimes I want decision and sometimes I don't. So like tracksuits, I have so many tracksuits at this point, but I love that like getting dressed for the real in the morning is so easy because it's just pick a tracksuit. Any tracksuit. It's like Superman. So I'm at a point in my life where, like, I like to create certain levels of uniformity to give myself, like, ease. And then also, like, on the other hand, so, like, just in the the tracksuit comparison, it's like, I always have these different tracksuits that are, like, a uniform, but it's just, like, boop, boop. But then I have, like, a great sneaker collection. 
So I get my, my rocks off in the sneakers. But for the white males, it's just, it matches everything. It's clean. It's like classy. It's classic. And I'm not a big nails person. I'm not like into acrylics and all that stuff. But it still like has a level of femininity to it that I appreciate, even though I'm a full G. That is the end of part one of our side effects of everything. 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 Join us next week for part two with more questions. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.